Section 9 of Sintram and His Companions. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Sintram and His Companions by Friedrich de la Motte Fouquet. Translated by F. E. Bennett. Chapter 23. In the castle of Sir Bjorn of the Fiery Eyes, Christmas Eve had not passed so brightly and happily, but yet there too all had gone visibly according to God's will. Folco, at the entreaty of the lord of the castle, had allowed Gabrielle to support him into the hall, and the three now sat at the round stone table, whereon a sumptuous meal was laid. On either side there were long tables, at which sat the retainers of both knights, in full armour, according to the custom of the north. Torches and lamps lighted the lofty hall with an almost dazzling brightness. Midnight had now begun its solemn reign, and Gabrielle softly reminded her wounded knight to withdraw. Bjorn heard her, and said, "'You are right, fair lady. Our knight needs rest. Only let us first keep up one more old honourable custom and at his sign four attendants brought in with pomp a great boar's head which looked as if cut out of solid gold and placed it in the middle of the stone table bjorn's retainers rose with reverence and took off their helmets bjorn himself did the same what means this asked folko very gravely what thy forefathers and mine have done on every yule feast answered bjorn we are going to make vows on the boar's head and then pass the goblet round to their fulfilment we no longer keep what our ancestors called the yule feast said folko we are good christians and we keep holy christmas tide to do the one and not to leave the other undone answered bjorn I hold my ancestors too dear to forget their knightly customs. Those who think otherwise may act according to their wisdom, but that shall not hinder me. I swear by the golden boar's head, and he stretched out his hand to lay it solemnly upon it. But Folko called out, In the name of our holy Saviour, forbear. Where I am, and still have breath and will, none shall celebrate undisturbed the rites of the wild heathens. Bjorn of the fiery eyes glared angrily at him. The men of the two barons separated from each other with a hollow sound of rattling armour, and ranged themselves in two bodies on either side of the hall, each behind its leader. Already here and there helmets were fastened and visors closed. "'Bethink ye yet what thou art doing,' said Bjorn. "'I was about to vow an eternal union with the house of Montfaucon nay even to bind myself to do it grateful homage but if thou disturb me in the customs which have come to me from my forefathers look to thy safety and the safety of all that is dear to thee my wrath no longer knows any bounds folko made a sign to the pale gabrielle to retire behind his followers saying to her be of good cheer my noble wife weaker christians have braved for the sake of god and his holy church greater dangers than now seem to threaten us believe me the lord of montfaucon is not so easily ensnared gabrielle obeyed something comforted by folko's fearless smile but this smile inflamed yet more the fury of bjorn 
he again stretched out his hand towards the boar's head as if about to make some dreadful vow when Folko snatched a gauntlet of Bjorn's off the table with which he with his unwounded left arm struck so powerful a blow on the gilt idol that it fell crashing to the ground shivered to pieces Bjorn and his followers stood as if turned to stone but soon swords were grasped by armed hands shields were taken down from the walls and an angry threatening murmur sounded through the hall at a sign from Folko a battle-axe was brought him by one of his faithful retainers he swung it high in air with his powerful left hand and stood looking like an avenging angel as he spoke these words through the tumult with awful calmness what speak ye o deluded northman what wouldst thou sinful lord ye are indeed become heathens and i hope to show you by my readiness for battle that it is not in my right arm alone that god has put strength for victory but if ye can yet hear listen to my words bjorn on this same accursed and now by god's help shivered boar's head thou didst lay thy hand when thou didst swear to sacrifice any inhabitants of the german towns that should fall into thy power and gotthard lentz came and rudely came driven on these shores by the storm what didst thou then do o savage bjorn what did ye do at his bidding ye who were keeping the yule feast with him try your fortune on me the lord will be with me as he was with those holy men to arms and he turned to his warriors let our battle cry be gotthard and rudlieb then bjorn let drop his drawn sword then his followers paused and none among the norwegians dared lift his eyes from the ground by degrees they one by one began to disappear from the hall and at last bjorn stood quite alone opposite to the baron and his followers he seemed hardly aware that he had been deserted but he fell on his knees stretched out his shining sword pointed to the broken boar's head and said do with me as you have done with that i deserve no better i ask but one favour only one do not disgrace me noble baron by seeking shelter in another castle of norway i fear you not answered folko after some thought and as far as may be i freely forgive you then he drew the sign of the cross over the wild form of bjorn and left the hall with gabrielle the retainers of the house of montfaucon followed him proudly and silently the hard spirit of the fierce lord of the castle was now quite broken and he watched with increased humility every look of folko and gabrielle but they withdrew more and more into the happy solitude of their own apartments where they enjoyed in the midst of sharp winter a bright springtide of happiness the wounded condition of folko did not hinder the evening delights of songs and music and poetry but rather a new charm was added to them when the tall handsome knight leant on the arm of his delicate lady and they thus changing as it were their deportment and duties walked slowly through the torch-lit halls scattering their kindly greetings like flowers among the crowds of men and women all this time little or nothing was heard of poor sintram the last wild outbreak of his father had increased the terror with which gabrielle remembered the self-accusations of the youth and the more resolutely folko kept silence 
the more did she bode some dreadful mystery indeed a secret shudder came over the knight when he thought of the pale dark-haired youth sintram's repentance had bordered on settled despair no one even knew what he was doing in the fortress of evil report on the rocks of the moon strange rumors were brought by the retainers who had fled from it that the evil spirit had obtained complete power over sintram that no man could stay with him and that the fidelity of the dark mysterious castellan had cost him his life folko could hardly drive away the fearful suspicion that the lonely young knight was become a wicked magician and perhaps indeed evil spirits did flit about the banished sintram but it was without his calling them up in his dreams he often saw the wicked enchantress venus in her golden chariot drawn by winged cats pass over the battlements of the stone fortress and heard her say mocking him foolish sintram foolish sintram hadst thou obeyed the little master thou wouldst now be in helen's arms and the rocks of the moon would be called the rocks of love and the stone fortress would be the garden of roses thou wouldst have lost thy pale face and dark hair for thou art only enchanted dear youth and thine eyes would have beamed more softly and thy cheeks bloomed more freshly and thy hair would have been more golden than was that of prince paris when men wondered at his beauty oh how helen would have loved thee then she showed him in a mirror how as a marvellously beautiful knight he knelt for gabrielle who sank into his arms blushing as the morning when he awoke from such dreams he would seize eagerly the sword and scarf given him by his lady as a shipwrecked man seizes the plank which is to save him and while the hot tears fell on them he would murmur to himself there was indeed one hour in my sad life when i was worthy and happy once he sprang up at midnight after one of these dreams but this time with more thrilling horror for it had seemed to him that the features of the enchantress venus had changed towards the end of her speech as she looked down upon him with marvellous scorn and she appeared to him as the hideous little master the youth had no better means of calming his distracted mind than to throw the sword and scarf of gabrielle over his shoulders and to hasten forth under the solemn starry canopy of the wintry sky he walked in deep thought backwards and forwards under the leafless oaks and the snow-laden firs which grew in the high ramparts then he heard a sorrowful cry of distress sound from the moat it was as if someone were attempting to sing but was stopped by inward grief sintram exclaimed who's there and all was still when he was silent and again began his walk the frightful groanings and moanings were heard afresh as if they came from a dying person sintram overcame the horror which seemed to hold him back and began in silence to climb down into the deep dry moat which was cut into the rock he was soon so low down that he could no longer see the stars shining beneath him moved a shrouded form and sliding with involuntary haste down the steep descent he stood near the groaning figure it ceased its lamentations and began to laugh like a maniac from beneath its long folded female garments oh ho my comrade oh ho my comrade wert thou going a little too fast well well it's all right and see now thou standest no higher than i my pious valiant youth 
Take it patiently. Take it patiently. What dost thou want with me? Why dost thou laugh? Why dost thou weep? asked Sintram impatiently. I might ask thee the same questions, answered the dark figure, and thou wouldst be less able to answer me than I to answer thee. Why dost thou laugh? Why dost thou weep? Poor creature, but I will show thee a remarkable thing in thy fortress, of which thou knowest nothing. Give heed. And the shrouded figure began to scratch and scrape at the stones till a little iron door opened and showed a long passage which led into the deep darkness. Wilt thou come with me? whispered the strange being. It is the shortest way to thy father's castle. In half an hour we shall come out of this passage, and we shall be in thy beauteous lady's apartment. Duke Menelaus shall lie in a magic sleep. Leave that to me, and then thou wilt take the slight, delicate form in thy arms, and bring her to the rocks of the moon. So thou wilt win back all that seemed lost by the former wavering. Sintram trembled visibly, fearfully shaken to and fro by the fever of passion and the stings of conscience. But at last, pressing the sword and scarf to his heart, he cried out, Oh, that fairest, most glorious hour of my life! If I lose all other joys, I will hold fast that brightest hour. A bright, glorious hour, said the figure from under its veil, like an evil echo. Dost thou know whom thou then conquerest? A good old friend who only showed himself so sturdy to give thee the glory of overcoming him. Wilt thou convince thyself? Wilt thou look? The dark garments of the little figure flew open, and the dwarf warrior in strange armor, with gold horns on his helmet, and the curved spear in his hand, the very same whom Sintram thought he had slain on Niflung's heath, now stood before him and laughed. Thou seest, my youth, everything in the wide world is but dreams and froth. Wherefore hold fast the dream that delights thee, and sip up the froth which refreshes thee. Hasten to that underground passage, it leads up to thy angel Helen, or wouldst thou first know thy friend yet better? His visor opened, and the hateful face of the little master glared upon the night. Sintram asked, as if in a dream, Art thou also that wicked enchantress Venus? Something like her, answered the little master, laughing, or rather she is something like me and if thou wilt only get disenchanted and recover the beauty of prince of paris then o prince of paris and his voice changed to an alluring song then o prince of paris i shall be fair like thee at this moment the good rolf appeared above on the rampart a consecrated taper in his lantern shone down into the moat as he sought for the missing young knight in god's name sir sintram he called out what has the spectre of whom you slew on niflung's heath and whom i never could bury to do with you seest thou well hearest thou well whispered the little master and drew back into the darkness of the underground passage the wise man up there knows me well there is nothing in thy heroic feet come take the joys of life while thou mayst but Sintram sprang back with a strong effort into the circle of light made by the shining of the taper from above, and cried out, Depart from me, unquiet spirit. I know well that I bear a name on me in which thou canst have no part. Little Master rushed in fear and rage into the passage, and, yelling, shut the iron door behind him. 
It seemed as if he could still be heard groaning and roaring. Sintram climbed up the wall of the moat and made a sign to his foster-father not to speak to him. He only said, One of my best joys, yes, the very best, has been taken from me, but, by God's help, I am not yet lost. In the earliest light of the following morning, he and Rolf stopped up the entrance of the perilous passage with huge blocks of stone. End of chapter 23 Chapter 24 the long northern winter was at last ended. The fresh green leaves rustled merrily in the woods. Patches of soft moss twinkled amongst the rocks. The valleys grew green. The brooks sparkled. The snow melted from all but the highest mountain tops. And the bark which was ready to carry away Folco and Gabrielle danced on the sunny waves of the sea. The baron, now quite recovered and strong and fresh as though his health had sustained no injury, stood one morning on the shore with his fair lady, and, full of glee at the prospect of returning to their home, the noble pair looked on, well pleased at their attendants, who were busied in lading the ship. Then said one of them, in the midst of a confused sound of talking, "'But what has appeared to me the most fearful and the most strange thing in this northern land is the stone fortress on the rocks of the moon. I have never—' indeed been inside it but when i used to see it in our huntings towering above the tall fir trees there came a tightness over my breast as if something unearthly were dwelling in it and a few weeks ago when the snow was yet lying hard in the valleys i came unawares quite close upon the strange building the young knight sintram was walking alone on the ramparts as twilight came on like the spirit of a departed knight and he drew from the lute which he carried such soft melancholy tones and he sighed so deeply and sorrowfully the voice of the speaker was drowned in the noise of the crowd and as he also just then reached the ship with his package hastily fastened up folko and gabrielle could not hear the rest of his speech but the fair lady looked on her knight with eyes dim with tears and sighed is it not behind those mountains that the rocks of the moon lie? The unhappy Sintram makes me sad at heart. I understand thee, sweet gracious lady, and the pure compassion of thy heart, replied Folko, instantly ordering his swift-footed steed to be brought. He placed his noble lady under the charge of his retainers, and leaping into the saddle, he hastened, followed by the grateful smiles of Gabrielle, along the valley towards the stone fortress sintram was seated near the drawbridge touching the strings of the lute and shedding some tears on the golden cords almost as montfaucon's esquire had described him suddenly a cloudy shadow passed over him and he looked up expecting to see a flight of cranes in the air but the sky was clear and blue while the young knight was still wondering a long bright spear fell at his feet from a battlement of the armoury turret take it up make good use of it thy foe is near at hand near also is the downfall of thy dearest happiness thus he heard it distinctly whispered in his ear and it seemed to him that he saw the shadow of the little master glide close by him to a neighbouring cleft in the rock but at the same time also a tall gigantic haggard figure passed along the valley in some measure like the departed pilgrim only much very much larger 
and he raised his long bony arm fearfully threatening then disappeared in an ancient tomb at the very same instant sir folco of montfaucon came swiftly as the wind up the rocks of the moon and he must have seen something of those strange apparitions for as he stopped close behind sintram he looked rather pale and asked low and earnestly sir knight who are those two with whom you were just now holding converse here the good god knows answered sintram i know them not if the good god does but know cried montfaucon but i fear me that he knows very little more of you or your deeds you speak strangely harsh words said sintram yet ever since that evening of misery alas and even long before i must bear with all that comes from you dear sir you may believe me i know not those fearful companions i call them not and i know not what terrible curse binds them to my footsteps the merciful god as i would hope is mindful of me the while as a faithful shepherd does not forget even the worst and most wildly straying of his flock but calls after it with an anxious voice in the gloomy wilderness then the anger of the baron was quite melted two bright tears stood in his eyes and he said no assuredly god has not forgotten thee only do thou not forget thy gracious god i did not come to rebuke thee i came to bless thee in gabrielle's name and in my own the lord preserve thee the lord guide thee the lord lift thee up and sintram on the far-off shores of normandy i shall bear thee in mind and i shall hear how thou strugglest against the curse which weighs down thy unhappy life and if thou ever shake it off and stand as a noble conqueror over sin and death then thou shalt receive from me a token of love and reward more precious than either thou or i can understand at this moment the words flowed prophetically from the baron's lips he himself was only half conscious of what he said with a kind salutation he turned his noble steed and again flew down the valley towards the seashore fool fool thrice a fool whispered the angry voice of the little master in sintram's ear but old rolf was singing his morning hymn in clear tones within the castle and the last lines were these whom worldlings scorn who lives forlorn on god's own word doth rest with heavenly light his path is bright his lot amongst the blest then a holy joy took possession of sintram's heart and he looked around him yet more gladly than in the hour when gabrielle gave him the scarf and sword and folco dubbed him a knight end of chapter twenty four end of section nine